like to contact the show send us an email at live on four legs podcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media join the pearl jam podcast community group on facebook or follow us on twitter at live on four legs pod yeah you got sad shoes i need to say a few things uh i hope you understand because it's very important uh so many people and handsome Beautiful people, gorgeous night, yes? But most important of tonight, we we need to be safe. Please, everybody, look out for each other. Look out for yourselves. And if I can ask you now, um, and I hope you can understand, just if you could take three steps back, I'm gonna count one, two, three, and then everybody just go one, two, three, because it's, it's getting very intense up front, and we've got a long way to go. We've got a lot of songs to play, yes? So I say one, two, three, and then one, two, three, please, yes? Okay, one, two, three, one, two, three, okay. Thank you. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossip! Fucking camera in the truck. now welcome to live on four legs the definitive live pearl jam podcast and today we are going to do another festival show a show that i don't think was ever on our radar but it's great that we have requests because this was a requested episode through patreon and we are going to get into our guest in just a little bit but we're doing the opener festival heineken opener festival from 2010 And I'll get into 2010 in a second. And this was in Gidnia, Poland. 2010, if that year rings a bell, it might have been a long time ago since we have done a show from this era. It has been a while. We had been on top of the 1992 stuff then kind of went around 1998 a little bit. And then all of those state shows were all different sort of years. But we have not done anything past 2003 in what feels like three or four months. I it's, don't it's have the stats on it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's essentially that. So it's good to get back to the backspacer hour today and we'll find a way to kill it. Like we always do. All right. Randy Sobel over here, John Farrar over there. Hello. Hello. 
hey, how yeah, do you this, feel about doing this, uh, this going was, back to this era? Uh, it was refreshing a little bit because, like, like I said, it had been at least two or three months since we'd done anything past 2003. So this was like, okay, like, yeah, some backspacer stuff. Like, I'm a little bit more receptive to that now. Like, I don't, I don't want to do 2009, 2010 every week, but this was great. And again, just like last week, some nice little tie-ins as to what we've been talking about recently on the current tour. That's right. Yeah, we got a great show in Krakow. And if you didn't check out our reaction episode, it was very good. Because obviously the big thing that we hyped up heading up to that show, all culminating, was the rearview mirror appearance. And I think that just made so many people happy. So we'll talk about that later in the episode. But yeah, check out the reaction episode if you haven't had a chance yet. But right now, I think we're going to have our guest join us right at the top. She's been a patron for a long time, longtime friend. If you had the grunge zine, you might have ordered a grunge zine in the past. We were interviewed on it a couple of years ago, so you might have heard of it. And she also has an Instagram account that we're getting into very soon. We'll talk to her about that. Let's introduce to talk about her show that she went to in her home country, Anita Selmashuk. How's it going, Anita? Welcome, Welcome. everyone. Uh, it's going great. <laughs> Where are you right now? Because this is interesting. You're kind of like touring the U.S. a little bit, right? Yes. So currently I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm finishing up my East Coast tour. I will finish with the Pearl Jam concert in Colorado, and then I'm coming back to California. And yes, this is part of my journey becoming American citizen. So I wanted to know the history of this country. And the best way to learn history is just to go and explore. So this is what I'm doing. That's perfect. And you did some exploring. I think the one thing I want to bring up real quick, there was a really cool thrift store that you went to in Louisville. Do you want to talk about that for two seconds? Yes, it was like maybe two weeks ago. Uh, we just stopped there. My husband noticed the sign that, oh, all the records or something like that. So he knew that I would be interesting interested in that and it was like amazing you know i like thrifting so i'm in trips to many many in many cities many times but this one was very special fat rabbit or something like that and they have everything like posters pins old magazines cassettes vhs vhs uh, movies so you know i could stay there forever i couldn't but i will be back for sure Look, we have a Louisville show. It's going to be a festival show that's happening mid-September. And I'm thinking that I think we got to do a little uh, pit stop there. I think we got to do a little pit stop. And I know oh. I have a car full of people, and I know other people are going to be wanting to. So maybe we'll just do a big meetup before heading off to the show. Now, it, it's, it's great because, you know, you were talking about uh, learning more about the U.S., but you come from Poland originally. And I think you told the story on one of our website projects that we did. I believe it might have been the one for 10. And you kind of told the story about how you got into the band and how it was kind of tough with the 10 Club. I think the 10 Club story is really interesting. Would you like to, to share that with everybody? Yes, uh, it's a very sweet story, actually. Uh, it was 1999 or 8, something like that. I was back then like 13 or 14. I wanted to join 10 Club very, very much, but to join, you need to pay like 20 bucks back then. 
for me, 13 years old girl in Poland, uh, like 20 bucks was impossible to have. Uh, so I have one dollar bill uh, that I packed together with some leather that I uh, put together, probably very, very poor English. And I asked them if I could be a club member. And after probably, let's say, four months or so, two days after my birthday, I received a letter from them and they uh, honored me with one year membership. And it was sweet. And I was the only person in my town who was in, in 10 clubs. So, yeah, cool. I was the figure. <laughs> <laughs> that is very cool. That's You're getting ahead of the game before anybody else did. And I think was the first time that they played in Poland was 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 those the uh, the Katowice shows or did they play in '96? Do you know that? It was Katowice, Katowice uh, uh, show, yep. and I was fan already, but I was very young. Yeah, I was kiddo, and I had no one to take. You know, I didn't even ask. It was this kind of knowledge that you have as a kiddo that. This is not the thing that you will even ask <laughs> your parents because no one will say yes, no one will go with you, no one will pay for that. So uh, I was waiting to get to my first show till uh, till Gdynia, till 2010, because then I, I could afford it. I was already working. and But there was some <laughs> surprise. It wasn't so easy to go there. So I will get to it probably in a minute. So, so yeah, so that was your first opportunity to go to a Pearl Jam show anywhere, right? That you know, in Poland, I believe they might have been back to Katowice in, and I'm not, I'm never going to end up saying it right, but uh, yeah, oh seven. Yeah. This was your first time in 2010. Yes, in oh seven, as you know, I was still paying for my school, my everything, and I was partying a lot. I, I couldn't save that save up the money and still the ticket was was expensive you know tickets was around 200 zwote it's our coin that we use and i i earned like my room was 500 so it was yeah so it was a lot of money to spend and then you need to drive there you need to come back you need to sleep in the other city so 2010, uh, I was already, you know, I had my money, I have my car, I was prepared months before, and then I broke my right arm, hand. Oh. (laughs) And it was very complicated. My wrist was broken, actually, but it was so complicated that they need to break it again after four weeks, and they give me a double casket. So it was right hand, so I couldn't do some stuff for <laughs> quite time that you need to do with right hand. And I had a problem. I couldn't drive my car because in Poland we have sticks, so you need your right hand. And wow. to get from Warsaw to Gdynia, it's six, six hours drive. So I was uh, looking for someone who will go with me on the weekend time for the whole weekend. But my closest friends uh, are musicians so they play concerts on the summertime and they cannot go with me but i found my one friend who lived eight hours from warsaw came to warsaw picked me up with his friend and we drove to gdynia 
Wow. Yeah, it was awesome. That's incredible. Um, Yeah, I had my cast, but it's not the one that you have here, guys, the plastic one. It's the old school, heavy, white thing. Yeah, the the white, yep. They got to wrap it, the whole cast, yeah. And then you get all your friends to sign it, and you become the coolest person in school. Very much signed. (laughs) It was very much signed. But yeah, I made it uh, there. And as always on Open Air, Open Air is the biggest festival in Poland each year. So it's our Coachella. Everybody is going there. Right now we have Instagram. So, you know, everybody is going there to take a picture, video, or whatever. You are no one if you are not there on the Open Air. But back then, we, you know, it was before social media. We just went there to listen to the music. <laughs> I mean, um, we can all wish that life was like that. <laughs> you know, with my current uh, occupation, I find uh, a lot of advantages of the world we have right now. But if I can choose, I would be happy if on the live shows, people will enjoy the show rather than uh, record them. And especially the Pearl Jam show, when we know the bootleg is coming out, and probably we have some professional video, but I guess there is no, yeah, we cannot turn back and nothing's going to save us. <laughs> Let's talk about the, the show a little bit. What were you excited to hear? What do you remember? I was waiting for Black and I got it encore. And this was my only, you know, I was focused on Black to get, to have Black, to listen to Black. And other than that, uh, I was happy to, be and i'm always happy to just be on the show and i don't i always right now always want to hear smile because this is my song and my favorite song but other than that i'm first four uh, songs i'm crying because i'm so emotional about just being there i'm very sensitive about the energy of the crowd and i can feel it that everybody's so happy uh and that audience is resonating with the band so well i don't hear any any stuff like the guitar is not in tune or the the eddie and that eddie sings something wrong i don't hear that at all i just enjoy the the experience the whole experience but and back then uh, it was cold i remember i i have this phobia that i cannot be uh surrounded by the crowd that's why i always uh, uh, choose the seats not the not the floor so i was in the back uh i was gonna I say with your cast that would have been difficult to be up front right i think i could use it back then you know and <laughs> just just act as a oh i'm so poor and poor little girl and you know you saw my pictures i do look young so 10 years Ago, I was probably, I looked like 18 or 17. I could act like, oh, but uh, I stayed uh, in the back and listened to the whole show, watching the telebeams and what what is on them. And I was in awe. And yeah, once Black hit me in Encore, I was done. You know, I could, you know, I could, uh, I could die, right? <laughs> this was my that I could die but at this moment because I, uh, this was my wish for so many years. 
That's look, I, I, it's uh, you talk to people and everybody has that song that is at their first show. Like, I need to hear that whether and usually it's not anything too rare. I know for me, it was rear view mirror. Go figure. And and sometimes you do get it. And then other times you got to yeah. wait for a couple shows. And, and that's great that you, you got it right away. Like that must have felt really good on you. Let me ask you about the crowd, because I, you said you were a little bit far away and you were just kind of hanging out in the back. But the crowd was intense all night. And you had you have to think about what this night was. This night was following the Berlin show. That was the 10th anniversary of Roskill. So that night, Ed Mm -hmm. was worrying about people's safety. And obviously there was an emotional moment in black as well. And it felt like it kind of carried over to this show where he was really concerned about a lot of people, especially a lot of women that were in front that were getting hurt or could have been hurt. What did you see from all that? You know, I was there for the whole day, and to be honest, uh, it's, it's a huge festival. People are, the organization part back then was very, very hard to, you know, exchange, to take money from ATM, exchange it for some coins to buy whatever you want to, food or drink. Tremendous lines to get food, and to get anything else to drink than beer. And you need to remember that in Poland, we drink a lot of alcohol and things happen when you do that. So I was very happy that he was aware, uh, like extra aware of the crowd back then, because when you are drunk, things might happen. And on the festival, some part of the audience, it's not... Pearl Jam fans who came to Pearl Jam concert, they are just people who went to the festival and they might not enjoy it or they might not act like Pearl Jam fans act. I think Pearl Jam fans are not assholes, yeah? Yeah, you do, you do run into that a lot at the festivals, unfortunately. And... But however, on the other Mm. side of this, while it was an intense crowd with movement and with uh, crowd surfing and and all the likes, they sang along to all the big songs and sang loud. What was it like being part of that, especially at your first show, being able to be a part of a group that just was so passionate about the big songs like daughter and even flow uh, like a lot. And, and some of the clapping moments in, in there too, were just fantastic. Uh, what was it like just witnessing all that at your first show? Well, I was uh, there with my friend uh, uh, who's a Persian fan and he was, uh, he, it was his first show as well. So we both kind of had our private um, experience that we, uh, create between ourselves and you know to say it uh, very shortly the show brought us together and we later we became a couple so oh. it you know <laughs> the songs did the job <laughs> outside of black what do you think were the performances for you that just wowed you that impressed you well uh corduroy uh was was uh, in the beginning and 
it's just pump us because we were listening to the song like in the hotel before the show. Then amongst the wave, other known, uh, my two one of the favorite songs, Ruby Mural. We loved it, and uh, then the Fixer, which was new song back then, and I loved it. I love it still. I love it, and it's great opener in my opinion. So mm, I would say it was very good a set list, and that's why crowd responded as as they respond. They were, you know, they were just uh, they having a fun. They dance as much as you can dance, and everybody was very satisfied and very, very happy. Good. That's all that you can ask for, for sure. And look, we are going to talk about the fixer in this because it's been a while since we've gotten the fixer. But when we get to it, I'm I'm going to try not to not to upset people. But there's is something to look at within the fixer that we've been noticing lately that I think we need to bring up. But that is not anything against the the fixer people out there including yourself so when we get to that later on in the show just just know that thank you so much for coming on joining us telling your story um and be being a patron and continuing your patronage it's 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 wonderful to see we're so grateful for it you have an instagram account that has been booming you're like the grunge girl on instagram i think you're anita underscore my underscore wave if i'm not mistaken Yes, it's my way. Everything you said, I work with bands and some music-related projects or, or writers that try to sell the book and just giving them a tips or strategies how to, you know, how to find yourself in this, uh, in this world where you need to have the social media because it's your new website. So... I, I find my way to do it. I don't care so much about the numbers because it doesn't reflect uh, anything in, in, you know, in my case. But uh, if you are in a band that want to spread out your music, it's something that you just need to have. And I always <laughs> tell you guys this as well, that oh, I know, you I are know. doing so much work, uh, you know, putting a lot of time to this podcast. And then uh, if you want to spread out the news, you just need to do extra job there. And it's so not, hard. It is hard. But once you will, you know, learn a little bit about that, you can find it uh, easy, easier, you know. And then uh, there is this part that I'm always telling people, you need to have a content to get your reach and you need to have your content that show what you do like for the podcast. But Randy, I I texted you this a uh, few times at least, so I'm waiting for you to come no. back to this topic. Uh, our Twitter response and our Facebook response has been so good, been so focused on that. And anytime anything gets posted to Instagram, it feels like it just falls flat. And that's where I'm just like, okay, well, the other two work, so I'll work on the other two and not worry about it. But <laughs> Yes, I think that the social media presence is is should be should happen everywhere. So we will be getting in touch with you for 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 mm. the help later on. Okay, mm. thank you so much for joining us, and hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. We're going to get into talking about all the songs that you got to see at your first night. Yep, thanks, Anita. Thank you.
Thank you very much, guys. Have a great show, and thank you very much again for what you are doing and the work that you put to uh, for this community and for your show and everything outside of the show as well. Thank you so much. That's so kind Thanks. of you to say. All right. Thank you so much for Anita to come on. And she's been supporting the show for a while. So it was great to have her. And this was on our list for a while. And we found the time to get it in pretty perfectly that it happened a week after Krakow here. And I kind of want to go back to something before we get into the set list. Just sort of tease up everything that is going to happen in the first little bit of the show. This being the day after Berlin, 10th anniversary of Roskilde, and that just being an emotional show. And it felt like there were a lot of emotions and feelings that came off of that, that Ed had to deal with very early on here. And it's really, it's always on his mind, but here it seemed like he was not having it, not taking their shit. Yeah, and even, I think they didn't even go back to Europe and play festivals until 2006. Correct. Like um, the Reading I Festival, that yeah. Being, yeah, I remember that being uh, a big deal. You're just a few years later than that. So that combined with it being that time of year, yeah, it's 100% at the forefront of, of his mind here. And you're going to see it pop up a few times here, especially the thing about the crowd servers and stuff that he talks about. He goes, guys, we just can't be a part of that right now. And you know that that's what they were thinking about. That kind of shadow is completely over the show. Yeah, it is. And it sometimes can have a positive impact and sometimes can have a negative impact. And like mentioned with Anita, there are moments where this crowd is is fantastic. And I think that they kind of come together after a little part here, which we'll talk about at some point. So. Let's hop into the set list. We get those strum chords of Interstellar Overdrive that are just terrific. is doing some spacey strumming in that intro and it just burst from the seams with energy there and it seemed like if i'm not mistaken it seemed like they extended this to be a bit longer than usual maybe by a a couple of measures yeah but i'm i'm with you like if you want to start with like an upbeat energetic intro like yeah interstellar overdrive is perfect for that and leading right into corduroy yeah mike very impressive on this version and it is a festival, so they're going to be very crowd-friendly and going to be, you know, very energetic for bidding. This isn't like a release night or anything like that. But, yeah, just complete, you know, full-on, full throttle from the very beginning. Now, here's a question for you. Do you think, and because they've done a couple festivals in the last little bit, I think Corduroy has opened up at least one, maybe two of them. 
Do you think that Corduroy is their best opener for a festival? Ooh. Um, I'm going to say it's it's in the conversation. I don't know if it's the best, but I do like when you, especially, you know, even, even without the Interstellar Overdrive, when he comes out and does those kind of harmonics and you, you know what's coming, that that's a really special moment. I don't know that now it is because of the extended version of Corduroy that we get, but back here, the pre-2013 Corduroy, the original way, it, it's up there. Now, what do, you, what do you think would compete with, like, Wygo or something like that? Um, yeah, I got I got Wygo as an opener at a festival in 2012 in Atlanta, and that was good. Anything like, you know, your small town is very good. Evolution, which comes in second here, would be very good. Just anything that's, that's higher energy. You know, they have 25 songs that could easily fit there. You know, even, like, Rearview Mirror been on our minds lately it did open a couple in the 2000s so anything like that just you know anything high energy you're gonna get the job done yeah i think outside of see here now the only other festival i went to was made in america and they opened that one with go which obviously fits in that wheelhouse oh, sure. and we'll never see it again of course right yeah uh, the watch they they play it twice in paris yeah right <laughs> <laughs> and Paris has happened by this point, so right. we can make all the jokes we want <laughs> in post if we'd want to. The version, I think that energy kicks you off, like you said. It's something massive to latch on to. Even the fringe fans, you just draw them in right away. Mike's very mechanical in the solo. It just has that real gritty sound. It wasn't clean. It adds some bite to it, and I don't know if you noticed, but there was a moment where Ed calls out to the crowd in Polish, and I have zero percent of me knows any Polish words, but it sounded like he was saying something like, you know, a, a come on or let's go or something like that. Yeah, it was like an, an exhortation of some sort. Yeah. Good version and sets the tone, especially for the first couple here. Evolution and Hail Hell are just both. Oh. I I love this the first three, and everything was was faster. Everything was faster. However, we're not talking about fast being rushed. We're not talking about this being overdone. We're talking about everything tight in the pocket and them just ramping up the tempo. Everything felt tight with this. I'm gonna get into hell hell in just a second, but evolution especially. You get a massive crowd reaction when they do the choir right out of the game. This is tight. This sounds good. Yeah, it's keeping the energy going that the Corduroy established. Yeah, it's, it's keeping things right there. You know, Do the Evolution is is right on that level. And, you know, we've seen that this year, that it's getting played a lot. And shout out to Stone, great Stone solo, of course. Again, just all energy, all upbeat, full throttle. Hell Hell's the one, though. Hell Hell just caught me. And I said, oh, this is the one. This is the one from this show, especially an early one. He changes the line over, and this is going to tee up what's to come and some you know, safety issues, but obviously very early on, instead of, is there room for both of us? He says, oh, looks like room for all of us. Yep. And that's obviously teeing up the, the situation, talking about the situation. It's just all foot on the gas here. There's something said for songs having speed, going too hard, but they really found a sweet spot. And even when they usually get into the bridge and they kind of just break pace a little bit, it was full go. I don't think they they did that. I think it was just 
onward and straight forward to the last chorus. It sounded like it stayed at that furious pace for the whole entire time. Even those first four, the next one included, I'll say, kept up the energy in a really good way and not a damn thing wrong with Hail Hail. You're not going to hear me say a bad word about it. Yeah, and and your trio to start you off defines a lot of what's going to happen in this show. And there's not going to be any rarities. It's going to be some of the Backspacer songs like we talked with Anita. And sometimes you just need all those songs to to make you feel good, to get you going, and, and you have a long day with the festival. I think there was a lot of things going on. We didn't talk about it, but the Dead Weather, which I believe that was a Jack White uh, mm-hmm. side project. I don't really know Kasabian. I don't really know Massive Attack. I, I think they've been around for a while, but like that was the lineup that music. day. Yeah. Right, and there's right, actually right. Uh, there's a video on YouTube of, of Ed playing with Ben Harper and the Innocent Criminals doing Under Pressure, so you guys Very can check cool. that out. Yep. Very cool, yeah after this run this is when it starts to get serious he talks to the crowd in polish i'm not translating sorry everybody wish anita could could stick around for that but no translation here the crowd is really riled up when he's speaking and then he starts speaking in english because he didn't want to mess this up because it was very important and he says all these handsome gorgeous people we all need to be safe and look out for each other yourselves And then he does the three steps back ordeal and mentioning it's getting pretty intense in the front and there's a lot of songs to play tonight. Yeah, that's that's all stemming from obvious situations that we that we talked about. It's it's on their mind. It's weighing heavily. And even if this wasn't the most raucous show in the world, I bet you it would have been the first thing I'd paid attention to. It probably is every night anyway, but. I feel like there was a little more cautious anxiety during this. Oh, 100%. It's the first thing he's thinking of almost like we've seen some where he gets to the point of like being distracted from the songs. Like he's watching the crowd more than he's worried about, you know, singing the songs. 
But yeah, absolutely. It's the number one takeaway from the show is that it's the safety and the, the crowd thing is at the forefront of their minds. Like we talked about, like, yeah, it, it's pervasive. It in it's every part of this thing. We get hail, hail, you know, from the third song on, it's just going to keep going and going. And honestly, it's going to continue from here. I'm sure that yep. they didn't want to stop at that point because think about it. Interstellar to Corduroy intro, Evolution, Hail, Hail. And Gotsum fits in with that too. I think that was pretty common for that time for Gotsum to be in the top four. And you kind of break that up, but I'm sure that's what they wanted to go to instead of stopping before Small Town instead, which is the obvious move. But with Gotsum being probably down near the bottom of the songs that I care about, I will say good things about it when I have to. And this is before Gotsum was like the staple in the encore for a little bit. That's when we talk about Gotsum and I'm just like not having it. But <laughs> this, this, it's got some energy. It's got staying power and it has a little bite and because they're coming off of that momentum from the first three. I think that it followed up pretty nicely. It has a really nice build to it. I mean, and I probably haven't listened to got some since the last time we covered it on the show which has been months and months and months now so that's one good thing about this is like these songs came in fresh to me and like they haven't been playing it on the tour so i haven't been hearing it there but this was good i i thought like i said a really nice build i ended up in a really good place you know that this is when you want to get got some like early on so yeah i thought it fit right in nothing but good things to say about it you think Got Some in this era was kind of like the Super Blood Wolf Moon sure. right now? Sure. Just being kind of the second song to either... The Mind Your Manners, yeah. Yeah. Either Dance of Clairvoyance or Quick Escape would be the number one. I'd probably dance just because it came out first, but yeah, I kind of saw it as that. Even before Small Town, it seems like Ed is, is going back to this. He's asking everybody if they're okay and just checking on them a little bit, and, and he'll check on them after the next one, too. I like to sing. Do you like sing? Let's sing. They all sing together with Small Town. <laughs> I believe the last, like, 20 Small Towns that we've, did, that we've done have all been anthemic, arena rock, just no pandering, and now we're back to the versions that's like, okay, everybody sing with us and Ed doing his extensive hearts and fathers, like that kind of stuff. And, and definitely hearing this now and hearing the other versions that I was just talking about, I 100% prefer the anthemic style. I just think it brings a good warm emotion to it. And I think for this crowd, you probably need something that's a little less anthemic and a little more bringing people together, especially at this point, but definitely prefer the arena type version. Springsteen, if you will. Yeah. I was going to say this one is less Springsteen and more like free fallen Tom Petty style. You mentioned the, the little quote before this. I think he even says like, I like sing. You like sing. Like it's it was a little strange. Like a little. Yeah, I didn't want to say that. But yeah, because like it, maybe nobody bats an eye then, but now we're just like, it's it's not really yeah, a little, very a little kind. Weird. But again, you're breaking up the momentum that you got, and you're giving this crowd a moment. And this is like you know more of the campfire kumbaya version. So the the crowd is going to be up for it on they absolutely take it from him at the end and and do a really good job on it so i always always like to hear the good crowd moments in small town that really elevates it so yeah very good 
we get another backspacer. And I think all the backspacer songs that were played here are the top five that have been played from the record. So got some amongst the waves is going to be right here. It's just breathe and the fixer are going to be played later. And then we'll get unthought known as well. But amongst the waves, you have to go just cut to the ending here. Cause the finish sounded incredible. It, it there's, there's a moment where you could feel Matt starting to push it and the rest of the band just sort of take his lead. And I don't know how often, that we've got something like that it usually stays pretty calm like the the waves itself are are not getting there's no high tide with the song usually this might be the high tide version of amongst the waves yeah i thought this was great and he he intros it with for you by the sea kind of a nice kind of poetic intro to it but i really thought you know you could really hear boom on this too i thought what boom was doing really added a nice layer on top of everything but one of the highlights of this show and i don't usually say that about uh backspacer songs and they, it won't be the last time on the show but yeah we're absolutely soared very very good like you know after you get the fast section at the beginning and then you're going to break it up and now amongst the waves is you know no pun intended building that way back up so i thought this was great yeah This is another one here. Ed says, I need to check if everything's okay. I just need to tell everybody that, you know, there's lots of like young women up here. Um, and, and it's a hard, it's a, it's a steel barricade and a young woman's head right next to each other. So anybody who comes flying over, let, let's maybe just stop this floating over the, the, the ocean shit. Let's, let's just stop that tonight. It, it's, uh, we can't handle it anymore. We just can't. Uh, you got three days maybe that other bands can can uh, deal with it. We can't. And I'm sorry, I hope you understand. Uh, it's a safety thing. I don't mean to be the grown-up here. I'm in a band, for God's sake. I just, we care about you. Uh, and I'm not going to apologize for that. Just listen to the guys, you know? As they said, if you want to do that with other bands, fine. That's great. But I think you always have to follow the instructions of what they say on stage because you just never know. Like, thankfully, we don't have this band as like 
And we've seen this with front men before that anything that just slightly pisses them off during a show, they walk off, they walk off stage. And we're thankful that they have never done that. They, they've Your always Axel kept their roses cool. and stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm thinking Vince Neil. Yeah, absolutely. You have to listen. You have to play ball with this. I just don't get it at this point, but yeah. well, yeah. think about too, like we sometimes like forget or we take it for granted or we block it out because we don't want to talk about it. Think about what they saw at Roskilde. Oh God. Like just the trauma that like in their, they're in Europe, they're at a festival, you know, they're seeing crowd surfing and things like that. And it just like clicks in his brain. Like, you got no, like you've got to stop this. Like they, I'm sure like there was a point where I, I, he just, I just can't handle this. Like you guys have to stop if it had kept going. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could have seen them like, we're just going to stop playing until it stops. You can't even imagine like what they've seen and to see anything like that. Yeah. I mean, of course he does it to this day. He'll stop. And how many times have we seen it this year where he'll stop a song and be like, stop it we're just not putting up with this shit anymore and good for them some people don't like it people want to get drunk and be belligerent and be assholes that's just not what the shows are about anymore it's so much more difficult with festivals because you're thinking about all of the casual fans or the people that are just there for a good time for music for drinking and they might not have any idea about Roskilde and yep. it might be a yep. more of a percentage of that than you think. Yeah. And, you know, and that's why they have to bring it up because they're not going to say, oh, well, this happened to us this time. We don't want that to happen to him. But that, that's really why you got to listen to the guys. And look, I'm, I'm preaching to a choir that gets this here, but, you know, it's everybody else that kind of needs to, to figure it out. Unthought known. And this is at the time where Unthought Known is really starting to surge as their big fan favorite. If, if you want to, I mentioned Got Some being Super Blood Wolf Moon. Unthought Known might be the quick escape comparison where it's not the first hit. It might not have been, look, quick escape hit me right away and I loved it. But it, yeah. on the album, at least for Unthought Known, a lot of people were kind of overlooking it. But then when you hear it live, it really gravitated after a while. Just a lot of uplifting moments, good spirits. There's great clapping section in the beginning. Even that beginning sounded a little extended, I believe, but this is one of the better, maybe best 2010 soaring track that there is. And yeah, I mean, already the 41st time they played it, you know, that's more than just breathes and way more than amongst the waves. So yeah, it was, it was pretty much a regular. Going from a very soaring song into just going back to what they were doing for the first four, even flow right off the gate. It's like the, you remember the THX commercials sure. where the guy is sitting in front of the TV and he's blown away. I, yeah. I that yeah. was even flow for me. Yeah. 
it was a sound barrage that just like first arrival your hair goes up and I have a lot of hair I would know sorry John I know you don't but I do not correct <laughs> maybe your little little fibers that you shave every so often maybe they kind of stood up on end but oh man right from the start this had me just captivated unbelievable just the speed and and just the furiosity of it in the 2000s I'm always listening to obviously what McCready is doing but also what Matt is doing on the the solo and this had a very good not 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 a solo from Cameron but a nice little rhythmic little part that he had underneath the solo that was that was very good so yeah better version than we hear uh, a lot of the time definitely not just going through the motions on it I define this solo that Mike has here as punk rock Hendrix what do you think Oh, sure. Just because of the beat, I think that's, like you said, with with Cameron. And Mike is going off as if it were Hendrix, but, like, Hendrix didn't play with this kind of tempo ever. So maybe you wouldn't consider this traditional punk rock, but this felt... Hendrix on speed. That's a good way to describe Mike a lot of the time. Exactly. finish with this too the crowd very audible singing this a great moment and uh, one that absolutely blew me away and a lot of my air not yours so sorry all right ed obviously giving credit to mike mccready there says speaking of guitar players give it up for ben harper and the relentless seven as you mentioned before they did a little under pressure earlier in the day and just holds up his guitar and says well i have an acoustic here and then this must be the first time in like two years, John. We've been waiting for this for a oh long God. time. Can I just tell you, I almost jumped out of my chair when I heard this. I was so excited. We have bass, ladies and gentlemen. For the first time in a very, very long time, a version of Just Breathe has come across our path with Jeff's influence. I don't know why it hasn't been on every single version of this. I just don't. 
it's the perfect melody to go to the background. I know I've told this before on the show that this was my first dance song. And when we went to a little like lesson session and we were trying to, to dance the song and I, I, I couldn't do it. And I was, I was got awful at it. So we <laughs> didn't end up actually doing what, what we were supposed to. But the guy said, what are you hearing in the song? What would you step to? And I said, oh, the bass absolutely the bass because that's the first thing that just pops into your brain you kind of listen to that melody in the background while the the guitar is beautiful like you just can't get over what's happening there it's such a great compliment and to jeff's case too like you know sometimes you sort of lose the idea of jeff's place in some of the songs and while he blends in so well he's kind of doing little things that you know, maybe once in a while you kind of perk your ear, but obviously Matt and McCready are, are so overpowering that you can kind of forget about Jeff at some points. And and this is the one that, boy, they should play this every other night to give Jeff a Jeff moment, you know? It's so good. And obviously, you know, they could play it in Paris and make me look like a fool, but we haven't gotten it in such a long time that I think that added to my excitement for this like being able to hear it and with the bass like i always listen for it when it comes in and i i saw it here on the set list after even blown i was like okay this is going to be full band and i'm gonna i'm gonna cross my fingers and hope that jeff is is featured on this and when it comes in it's just like oh my god it's just like a wave of just perfection it's one of his best bass lines and that's saying something because he has a he has a lot he's one of the most like underappreciated bass players of this generation and the way that this kind of counters the the melody of the song and the way that it bounces and like it's all over the place and it's perfect melodically like the song's been played 110 times why have they not done it full band with the bass 110 times like that I think sense. it got lost in that acoustic encore part with with Ed it became such a big thing there that I think maybe they kind of got burned out on a little bit but I, I would love to see this pop up in the middle of a main set with with the full band and and with Jeff's part that would be incredible this is going to be one of my top three moments from the show hands down I think it's probably going to be one of mine too I just still have some maneuvering to do love but I think it. I think it's in mine just a, as an added on thought here when they did this at I think the 2014 Bridge School show First of all, that whole entire show, Jeff is using the biggest bass. It's like basically a cello. It's the biggest thing you've ever seen. Then he switches out to like basically a ukulele for Just Breathe. Yeah, it does yeah. nothing close to what this bass line is. Give it its due. Damn it. Come on. This is the way. You know it's the way. Ed says thank you in Polish and says it does something to your heart at one point to be writing a song with a pencil on a blank sheet of paper and not that much longer. You get halfway across the world and you hear all these people singing along. It means a lot. Kids go down, sun goes down, you get daughter, you're going to follow that with giving a fly, you're going to follow that with arms aloft. As I mentioned with Anita, daughter was really the one, the crowd participation moment. We've got this before, especially in Europe where, at around this time, where the crowd was just uncanny on this, where everything that Ed was doing, the crowd was just matching or topping him. And they were loud and they were in charge here. 
he actually goes he goes back to the call and response after giving the fly too and there's a little break in between giving the fly and arms loft and he's he's yeah, given yes. the chance to to keep to keep it going so that was cool yeah that that's always the sign of a good night is when the crowd can can match him on that call and response I'm going to bring up Arms Aloft really quick. Sure. mentions it as a song by Joe Strummer. They were playing this a lot at the time, and obviously it's kind of come back in a little bit. I know it was played in Fenway 2018, but I always think of some covers and some covers that have stayed in certain time periods, and it feels like Arms Aloft is is like the 2010-2011 song. This was only the third time they played it here, and it's just not one that to me perks out as one of the covers that feel like it's Pearl Jams. I think that this was just a nice tribute to a great songwriter that Ed loved and they did it a little bit and I don't think it really had the staying power after this little portion in time. I think it's more that you know Ed wanted to do a Joe Strummer song and I think he even says like it's about festivals, so we're going to play it at a festival. So I think they kind of hoped that it would catch on and be more of a, of a crowd moment than it ended up being. But it's just got, it's got such a kind of an awkward rhythm to it. And it's, it's not punk rock. It's not, you know, anthemic rock. It's somewhere in, in the middle. And it just, it just never caught on. I actually like the Joe Strummer version way more than the program version. It's interesting. I, I haven't listened to that in a long time, but it's very interesting. Like the chorus kind of gets a little distorted in a way. His voice gets a little distorted. I thought that, yeah, yeah. that's that's interesting. We're getting the back-to-back 10 moments and talking about Jeff before with Just Breathe. These are obviously the ones that everybody thinks about when talking about Jeff because the bass is very apparent, but why go into Jeremy? And these are both kind of following up on what the recipe was earlier in the set. Just fast pace, pretty breakneck speed, and, and just very energetic. You know, you're ending the main set the way you started it here and going back into that. But a very good crowd moment as well. And then, you know, you have the big moment at the end of, of Jeremy and felt like they were... That kind of no Jeremy upstroke was was really accented on Jeremy trying to trying to give it a little more texture and a little more depth. What what Stone was doing there, so you know, yeah, you had you hadn't gotten any ten songs since Even Flow, so you were due. Yep, and obviously these two remind you of all those festival dates in Lollapalooza, Pink Pop, whatever you want to say, yep. and perfect that they're packaged here together near the end of the set. And after the two big ones from Ten. You're getting to the song that has been just the song of the week here, the song that everybody was hoping for on this tour and finally got at Krakow. And I did these notes last night before Krakow even happened, and the first thing I wrote in all caps was, Free This Song. And boy, did they ever. But here, in 2010... Yeah, give us a rearview mirror because it's going to happen almost every other night. So it's just it, it's part of the thing. It, it's got the little tease intro. And now in the bridge, the bridge just had that double time drumming there. Again, the fast paced stuff that was happening all throughout the set list. And the set list is really well balanced with that, where you get a couple and then you kind of leave a couple off and you get your just breeds and stuff like that. But to end the set the same way they kind of started, I, like perfect. And 
the way that Matt is pushing this and everybody starts revving up with him, it just makes you catch your breath. Like, it's just, it's intense, it's powerful. And one of the things I absolutely love about Rearview Mirror Live, and it might might have been a new discovery, but not really, is that whenever they kind of come down from, from being revved up, whenever they kind of come down, you hear that they give it a little open spot. They give it a little open spot, and you kind of hear Jeff doing a little bit. He's kind of teasing, but he's not doing he's not doing anything about to get into to his part. But you're anticipating at that part because you think in your head you're saying, "Oh, well, this is the bass," and you're going forward. But then they find a way to rev back up. The roller coaster restarts, and you're anticipating that moment so much that at the end of that, when they're finally coming back in and it comes in it just hits you so well that part is the part of the song that's the big sell because it's it's the precursor to the ride the actual ride of the song the big finish and you anticipate it the whole entire time and when it comes you're clapping you're bobbing along whatever it is and that spark comes with you that tells you get ready and let's go and then they get to that bridge and like I said it just it's like goes out into space and it just like meanders and this one definitely when it goes down it gets kind of weird and spacey a little bit too which is always very cool and then they have to like rein it back in to get and that, that's Jeff's job is to like bring that little bass line back and when he starts that riff it kind of gets everybody back going the same direction and here we go don't you know you're, you're going on and then you're full speed ahead to the end but 
yeah, it's just so well crafted. And like you said, it's it's been on the the forefront of our minds for a few weeks now because of the controversy of like they haven't played it, and then they played it. Hearing it here, like yeah, yeah, taking notes before we got the crack on show and they played it. When it came on, this was another one where I almost just leapt out of my seat. I was so excited to hear it, and it it did not disappoint. Like the ending of this, just incredible. Like how can five six people make this kind of noise and have it be this tight and this perfect and like this beautiful like it's a thing of beauty what they've done with it and what it turned into and 471 versions now not a bad one on the list just everything about this defines Pearl Jam Live that's it that's all you gotta say and that's all you need to know it might be the one song that I give to somebody to say, if you're going to see Pearl Jam, listen to this. All right, we are in the encore. Time to pause for station identification. As with this whole entire month, we are still doing reaction episodes. We don't have a lot of shows left. I think Vienna is happening as you might be listening to this on Wednesday. We got Vienna, Prague, and two in Amsterdam. So by this time next week, we're done. Cool. So... I know, but it, it's it's been nice and long, and I, I love how it, it's stretched like this. But it's going to be disappointing when it's over, but we only have another month before we get to the stuff where you know we're going to be at, and we're going to see people at, and we're going to talk about things coming up on, on the pod about events and things like that. Maybe I can mention something in a second. But if you haven't gotten a chance to see live streams or watch anything on YouTube and you want a little bit of the reaction, then Patreon... And the reaction episodes are the way to do it. It's been fun doing them. It's been fun thinking about it for the couple hours after the show and then putting the thoughts out there. And and people are responding to it really well, which thank you guys. It's been awesome. And look, if that's something that you're interested in within the exclusive subscription package that we do for Patreon... This is what we've been doing for over a month now, and we're going to be doing more after this is over. We're definitely going to be looking back into the evolution and late night series sort of stuff, but this is the gold standard of what Patreon content should be and love doing it. Can't be happier with it. Let's thank two people that joined up this week. Let's thank Craig Skinner and thank Jay McKenzie, both joining up on the bonus nice. leg tier. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Yep, and we're just keep crawling closer and closer up to a big goal of ours. So stay tuned. If we hit it, then we'll be excited about it. As I mentioned a couple minutes ago, we are doing an event in St. Louis. It's hosted by the Touring Fan Live. And it's going to be, I can't reveal a lot of it now, but we're going to be a part of it keep it on your mind right now and then once all the details come out i think you guys are going to be really interested in it so that's all i gotta say for now but keep that thought anything real quick on the web just live on fourlegs.com keep checking the morning after the shows for the the concertpedia reviews and aurelian's blog that he's been doing been going to the shows checking that out yeah just live on fourlegs.com check it out that's all that needs to be said all right well, I want to capture the energy of what this encore is, so we better do this really fast. <laughs> now back to The Rock. Ed says this. He says, we must come back soon. Thanks for everything. Now we're going to play these songs really, really fast to get them all in. I hope somebody caught that reference. 
the first one up is the fixer. I mentioned, I teed it up earlier that we have some stuff to say about the fixer, and, and at least I do, in the way that it's been very interesting and kind of eye-opening that so many people this past week, when the fixer was crossed off the set list, were like, in this oh my. Spot, in, in this exact spot. The exact spot, right. Which, for at this time, works. And for now, I, did, I don't agree with it. I don't, it's, it's not for me. I think it's kind of lost within this era. But so many people reached back out to say, oh my God, the fixer, I haven't heard it in ages and I want it so bad and it's one of my favorites. And like, I was just shocked and surprised. And, and here we are, like, you know, the old guards, I suppose, like sticking up for rearview mirror and want to get rearview mirror played. And there are people out there that did respond to us saying, like, I'd rather see the fixer. And to me, like, that's just, it's almost sacrilegious, but I, I do understand it a way. Yeah, it's only it's only been played four times since 2012, so it's turning into one of the you know absence makes the heart grow fonder as we saw with Review Mirror. It's become one that, that the people like it, and there there are people that Backspacer is their number one record. It's a different kind of record, you know. It's more of a pop rock record and more of a you know an upbeat kind of a danceable heart on your sleeve record. And that's what some people are into. And great, you know, if Backspacer is your number one record, fantastic. Enjoy it. This song is kind of divisive. Like, for a lot of people who were around the early days, it's it represents like a break. Like, oh, this is the Target song, right? This is the, I won't say the sellout song because they never really sold out, but it's like, it's the one that was like the attempt to write a hit. You know, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna write a hit song. And yeah, I don't love the song, but I'm not going to say anything bad about it here because I thought it was a very kind of upbeat, danceable version that had a lot of energy to it. And again, maybe that's the absence of hearing it for months and months and months talking, you know, kind of similar to, to Got Some. But I didn't hate it here. I thought it did what it wanted to do and it got the crowd going again. And I think in the right spot, it can be effective. But I don't think like in an encore spot in 2022 is the right spot. It's not. But it's a rare one now, so people want to hear it. I understand. Yeah, and, and I think the contingent out there and the idea of this is that any younger Pearl Jam, and when I, I, I say younger, I'm saying like in their mid to even late 20s, even early 20s, that when they were first getting into music and you remember what it was like to be 12, 13 years old and hearing something for the first yeah. time. Like, this is brand new to them. So it's coming out and, and they might know that their their parents play 10 or verses or something. And then when they know that this 30-minute record that's really, as you said, poppy and catchy, it definitely hits them in the right spot because when you're starting to get into music at that age, at like the early teenage age, it's what's most impactful for you. And you, you know, if you hear something good and you still love it from then on forward, like you're going to fight for it. You're going to support it. And I think that there, the contingent here probably gets forgotten more often than not. But look, I think that there are, just as important as Pearl Jam fans as everybody else is as the person that was 10 clubs since 92, everybody should be treated the same way. I don't understand 
the obsession with the fixer, but that's okay because I'm trying to learn why. And if that's why, then I fully respect that, and I'll still say rear mirror is better. That's it. Can I, uh, can I can I give you your live footsteps stat of the show? Yeah, why not? Get this. And I, I just noticed it, and I nearly fell out of my chair. The Fixer was played so much in 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, that even though it's only been played four times since, once in 2013, once in 2014, once in 2015, once in 2018, it's still been played at almost 40% of the show since it was debuted. Jesus. Oh. Oh, boy. Yeah. I, I mean, a lot of that has to do with how, like you said, how much uh, 77% in 2012 and 86, 87% in 2011. Yeah. 89%. And 97%. In so, I mean, along with the idea that tours kind of been reduced in size. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. It doesn't make sense, but it makes a lot of sense. If you know what I mean? All right. So as I mentioned, Look, this is where it really kicks in. The fist, fixer was pretty fast, but like Better Man is the example of this. We need to play these these songs really, really fast to get them in. Let's mention something about Better Man here because it's immediately transitions out of the fixer. There's no like wait till the crowd responds or anything like that. I think because they know they have to rush through it, especially Ed knows because that's his little part in the beginning. It just seems like he was trying to get everything in before the bell and it tossed him up and he missed some lyrics and he acknowledges it and it's funny, you know, and, but that's the definition of what this ending is. And I was not a fan of this version of better man because I obviously like it more paced out and it just felt like they were just trying to get through it to say that it was on the set list and played. It was really rushed and difficult to listen to. I won't say difficult to listen to, but it's not the big crowd anthemic moment here that it should be with the big windmills and the big jam ending and the save it for later and the the calm response and everything. Like that's what that song is now, and like we've seen that on this current tour that's happening. We, we've seen it open a show and be that. But yeah, this isn't this isn't that, and like. Yeah, the little the little flub and the lyrics, and he says, "Oh, I fucked it up." But they they wanted to get it in. They they wanted to play it for the people. So yeah, get it in. And you're finishing off pretty standard here. It's going to be Black, Alive, and Rockin' in the Free World. Black, of course, being our our guest, Anita, the the woman of the hour here. Yeah, it yeah. was her favorite song in this. And as far as versions of Black go, it maybe was rushed more than the average one, but you know, it still had that mid-tempo and and sort of blossom, passionate vibe to it. Yeah, very good. And then another nice crowd moment, too. You know, they get, I'm sure Anita was there screaming at the top of her lungs, singing along. Everyone doing the, uh, the vocals at the end is always a nice moment in black. I get why they rush this, because it's the difference between what's happening now and what's happening then. Because if they had a certain amount of time they're okay with doing three songs to close out a night. Now, if, if it ended with 18 songs, I think they'd be all right with it because this is pretty short as it is. It's an hour and 40 minutes long. So yep. if they had that allotment in 2022, let's say in Paris, 
again, back in the past, then I think that they would play three songs and make them count. Oh, yeah. It would have been cut. Absolutely. Right. You don't want to go over your time, especially at a festival, because you're really fucking over the booker if you do that, because he's in charge of that. But from the last two here, just all not versions that you're used to, because there are things that are just kind of cut short. If I was there in the crowd, I probably would have been like, yeah, okay, cool, give me the song. But on the bootleg, it's uh, you can listen to other versions and get what you want out of these songs, out of Alive, Rocket in the Free World. Solos were abridged, and while good, Mike was really good in this, it, it just you just hate to see him rushed. You really do. Have you ever seen them have to rush to finish? You know, nothing is is coming to mind specifically, but it feels like there was one or two times where maybe one song it felt like they were trying to trying to get out on. There's one obvious one for me in Atlanta in 2012 in Music Midtown. They had a hard out and they started rocking in the free world. And it's about a three and a half minute version of rocking in the free world. And I think he even mentions like, going to have to pay the fine. But yeah, it definitely adds a little, you know, you can tell tension to it. Like, oh, come on. Like you're trying to enjoy, like trying to squeeze out all the enjoyment you can out of those, those last few minutes. Yeah. And what's the point of playing the songs if they can't be exactly what you want them to be? You want Alive to be that anthem. There weren't a lot of Hey Chance. There was a little bit, but you want that spread out. You want that to keep going on forever and forever. Instead of just saying, all right, no, we're done. Rocking in the free world because it's on set. Like, you just want them to sound good and, and be a moment. And I think that they lost sight of that. It's only a 20-song set. It feels like we were talking about this for longer than what would be a 20-song set. But, hey, it prepares us for whenever we want to and, and should do the 2022 shows. So, all right. Now we have finished the show. We can give some moments here. I believe I'm first. I think and so. I'm going to just say for the sake of what happened this past week that Rearview Mirror is just above everything else as just like sort of a, a thank you to them as sort of a thank you to you guys that all pitched in. And, and look, while I have no clue that the band saw anything, it seems like when people started talking about it, when we started talking about it, we put it up in the ether and it started to somehow make its way. And I again, not directly from us, maybe not directly from anybody, but sometimes when you just say something, when you want something and it makes sense and it's the right time, it'll happen. So again, thank you everybody for following along on that and, and being true sports on it and just, passionate about this song i'm gonna say that rearview mirror is above the gang for all of this and just stands atop as like the hall of fame song that it is from this night oh that's your one two and three no no I, i'm saying that that's above a ranking okay so basically these are four three two okay does that make sense oh so you just wanted an excuse to do four i get it that's not the case. That's not the case. Rearview Mirror stands alone at the top. I'm going to say that my number three is just breathe because that damn bass sounded so good on this. Really love that version. I'm going to say that number two, 
I'm going to go with even flow because like that one just burst from the seams. And it's been a while since we've heard an even flow that really took you aback like that and just felt like it, it punched you in the face, right? As you started listening to it. And then uh hell hells is the best performance from the show. I, I just foot on the gas and oh, sounded so good. Yeah. And, and people like it in other ways. Some people like it more with a groove, but oh, just hearing a version like this, getting it, like fast and right to the point and driving with it. Yeah, I I liked it a lot. My number three is going to be Amongst the Waves. My number two is Just Breathe. And my number one, yeah, no doubt, Rearview Mirror. But that's above the list. Didn't we have this conversation? Number one is above the list. It's at the top of the list. Fine, whatever you say. All right, we're going to rate this now. The ending really bugged me. The ending of the show really bugged me. And, and you know, I, I, I didn't go into this saying like a, a festival set. I went into this with a really open mind because this is something that was never on my mind. I never would have thought about this before Anita said she wanted to do it. So hearing the whole entire main set, I was super impressed. I loved it. I thought it was great. And it really psyched me up for what was going to happen in the encore. Big anth- anthemic songs and and you want a big ending out of this. And it just, it just didn't finish that way. You know, I was sort of thinking that I had a rating for the first half for the main set and a rating for the encore part. And I might have to just split it down the middle because I thought that the main set was like an 8.5. It was terrific. And honestly, I recommend it to all you guys. Go out and listen to this one because you're not going to hear a lot of festival shows that have this kind of vibe. This felt like a definitive kind of sound for a festival from this era. The encore is like a 5 for me. I just, uh, you don't need to rush stuff. Just, Just play. Just make it sound good. And it's not a songs aren't stats. So I'm splitting it down the middle. I'm going to be a little bit generous with this and say 7.5. Okay. I'm actually kind of in that range as well. I'm going to give it a little bump because very energetic. I did really kind of enjoy a lot of the backspacer stuff. Maybe it's because, you know, we hadn't heard it in a while because some really good versions. So I'm going to bump it up there. Uh, I'm going to give this one an eight. That's pretty good. And I think that maybe going into the show, a lot of people wouldn't have thought that this would have averaged out to be a 7.7777, whatever it was. But here we are. And and that's why you got to be open-minded when it comes to their whole entire catalog. Just listen, react, then share. And that's what we do the best here. So it was great to get a show that we probably wouldn't have gotten and and we're you know likely in the next 50 years that we do this podcast we're going to have more and more of these shows so i would just say to you guys i know how many how many shows is pearl jam gonna do well we're gonna take some breaks (laughs) we're gonna take some breaks let's just let's just put it that way I know for all of you guys that love the big ones, the ones that you've gone to, the ones that have been talked about a whole lot in their catalog and, and part of the, the upper echelon of Pearl Jam shows. I know that you guys are really into that, but sometimes you need to give the little guy a chance to. We did, and we came out pretty impressed by it. So, And next week... We are not going to do a similar show. We are going to do one of those that's in the pantheon of great Pearl Jam shows. 
because we're going to do Telluride. And it's a phenomenal show. It's so different. It's it's a throwback to some of the stuff that they did within Red Rocks and within the Gorge. And it's going to be a really good cover for us here. And we're also going to be joined by another guest, which is going to be great. So keep on listening. Keep on paying attention. If you want to follow on Twitter and get, well, at this point, a couple of shows left for the end of the European tour that we're doing the live set list uh, updates on at live on four legs pod on Twitter and then Pearl Jam podcast community on Facebook. And again, all the reaction episodes, patreon.com slash live on four legs. If you want to join up, it's just a dollar. Come subscribe and enjoy the content. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already, and I miss you always. If you want to subscribe to the show on any of the platforms like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please head over there, subscribe. Subscribe numbers up is a good thing, and if you feel necessary, definitely give us a rating too, because that all helps. Word of mouth is great. Leave a comment on Apple. That's the best thing that you can do for us. All right. We will see you for Telluride next week. I like sing.